I want to be known like that intrinsically. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Find you a man that, that plays you like Kingfish plays a guitar. I mean, I guess to be fair, it takes several years to yeah, get to that point. True, true. You get started at a young age. No. <laughs> okay, I didn't say that. This is High Decibels. Music recaps in New York City and beyond. Hey, you people, you're listening to High Decibels, an NYC-based live music podcast. We check out the artists we love in New York City venues and beyond and report back to you. I'm Marlia. And I'm James. And this song is Fresh Out by Chris Stone, Kingfish Ingram, who I got to see at Brooklyn Bowl on Thursday, February 27th, and who we'll be talking about today. But before we get to that, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and now Facebook, and look for us on Reddit, at High Decibels Pod, for clips, picks, discussions, and more. Also, follow and subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcast. And uh, especially if you could leave a rate and review on Apple Pod, that'd be amazing because the, we could start seeing stats and trends and everything uh, if we get a, a little bit of uh, engagement on that platform. And speaking of, uh, if you know of anybody that might be interested in the sort of things that we talk about, whether they're music people or they like to go to a lot of concerts too, or maybe we got to see one of their favorite bands and they would like a chance to hear about what it's like to see them live, please, please, please share us with uh, friends, family, parents love us. Uh, it would be a huge, huge help. Corner people on, in, on the subway and demand that they listen to us. It's what we do at shows. You know, and just to add to that, too, uh, of course, yeah, Apple Podcasts can be a little bit more sticky about uh, giving us our stats until, you know, you have a certain whatever number of subs- uh, subscribes, uh, ratings, etc. But if you are a Spotify person, like, you know, please, again, do the same. Um, it seems like right now uh, we're noticing that Spotify seems to be the most popular platform for us right now, which makes sense. Um but yeah, also follow on there. That would be very much appreciated. And of course, as always, we offer the opportunity to executive produce an episode. Uh, essentially, what that entails is that if there is a show somewhere in the tri-state area, any show, if it doesn't conflict with our schedule, you pick us up those tickets, we will go to this show and we will recap it. And if you're at the show too, we can hang. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, we can do that. Uh you know, via in person, or we can do that remotely as well. You don't have to guess, though, if you don't want to. We can read your thoughts, or uh, you could just listen to us. Maybe you don't even live around here. Maybe you live in the middle of nowhere, and the idea of a concert in the Big Apple is uh, something you've always dreamed of, and you want to live vicariously through us. Although I hope it happens for you someday, because yeah, come and hang. We're we're, we have, we're cool people. We have we really have the best shows out there. That's <laughs> that's the truth. Um, all right, so. Beyond that, I'm just I'm looking at you right now, and I only just noticed that you're wearing this New York Guardians shirt. Big diehard, huge Guardians fan over here. I know this isn't music related, but I mean, I, I do sport, kind of want to talk about sport, it. Sports always find their way into yeah. this podcast, anyway. So fuck it. This, this was a lot of fun. A couple of us went to the Guardians game yesterday. For anybody that doesn't follow sports at all, at all, the XFL is the new upstart football league. That's not trying to compete with the NFL. They're just trying to be, you know, the less, the you know, the not as good players are kind of getting their chance. Maybe a couple of them will play well enough that they get picked up by the NFL, that sort of thing. 
So uh, the New York team is the New York Guardians. Tickets are stupidly cheap right now. If it weren't for the fact that there was three of us going and we wanted to get three seats next to each other, if it was just me trying to buy a ticket. It would have been like $5. So get this. So tickets across the board are $30 asking price, right? And then if I bought them secondhand, it was just like two of us that needed to sit next to each other. I could have gotten them for 18 bucks each. But I had to get wow. three next to each other, so it's thirty bucks each. I mean, that's and these are all lower bowl, like decent seats, or they would be incredible seats if it was an actual NFL game. But uh, as they stand now, it was it was pretty just just really really cheap for like fifteen rows back on, on field level. How fun! How was the music? Oh, <laughs> uh, music didn't really stand out. I gotta say though, if you get the chance, I I don't know how much longer the XFL is gonna be around. Um. But if you get the chance, go to a game. It was the wild, wild west, man. Uh, I was telling you, there were no rules there. There are absolutely no rules there. It was it was wild in that crowd, man. And doing like tailgating and everything. Also, we discovered that um, in the MetLife parking lot, the and I had no idea about this because I've never been to MetLife on a Saturday because I always go for football games that are Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever. So on Saturdays in the parking lot, they always have a, a flea market that I had zero idea about. So we got to walk through that for a little while. And that's pretty interesting stuff. I feel like a band like The Living Strange should get in the bed of a pickup truck and like do a show. In the middle of a parking lot? Yeah. I'd be down for that. If there's a way for them to be compensated. And Hell yeah. Way. I don't know. Someday when we've got that kind of money, maybe we'll I don't, be like. Yeah. I don't know how they work out some of these like some of these like tailgates that you got to pay, get a ticket for to get in. Although we looked at that because, uh, you know, we, we were really just hanging out, drinking before the game. We were really tailgating so much we looked at the uh like public tailgates as you get in 40 bucks like that's more expensive than the tickets that i paid for fuck out of here like you think you're that much fun maybe that, that's the scene that i gotta pay you more people were, have to get really drunk to be able to sit through that game <laughs> yeah well no it's terrible football but that was the fun of it <laughs> they actually won though it's the first time i've seen the team that i went to root for win at metlife stadium in about seven years and that what that translates to ladies and gentlemen is for the last seven years, I've only seen the Giants lose at MetLife Stadium. It's fucking tragic. Yeah, well, now at least for the Guardians, you can say, Ben, yeah. you've done that, bought the T-shirt. That's right, you're literally, literally dead. I um, figure worst case scenario, if this goes tits up by the next year, I could still wear it to a rave and people will like it, you know? Like, ironically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, kind of in music news, I feel like we haven't recorded in a while because I feel like this was a while ago at this yeah. point. But um, well, our last so, show was early in the week, so right. Uh. So in terms of any kind of music news since there, uh, what I have to add here is that there is uh, a band that I had first seen at a venue called Freddy's, which is oh South Slope, and Shout I think it Freddy's. was their their first gig. And this band is Harry says hello, hello. Hello, hello Harry. Harry says hello. And uh, so anyway, um, we connected on Instagram and, you know, they, they kept us uh, up to date on their shows or whatever and um, listened to their Spotify and were like, what the hell? Let's let's go see them. It was at this venue called The Way Station that I've ne- had never been to. That's like Doctor Who I, yeah, themed or whatever. Totally forgot about that, but I had definitely been there before. And then we walked in. I'm like, oh, that's this place. Yeah, so so we went to check out this band, and um, let's see. Oh, uh, I, Tom, I believe, is, is the lead singer. Aaron, we met. Uh, Frank was uh, the bassist, uh, and that's kind of who we uh, got to chat with the most. Uh, mm-hmm. Really nice guy um, after the set. A pretty diverse set. I, I heard post-punk. I heard funk. I heard uh, alt-hard rock. uh 
you know, it, it was a really good time. Um, Frank told me this interesting story about how uh, Sting got all of the monies for that guitar riff that mm-hmm. you hear in I'll Be Missing You by Puff Daddy or P. Diddy or Sean Combs or whatever his name is. Um, I can't ever keep up that he didn't write. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they worked it out later, but it was a really interesting story. So we had like some some really interesting like rock and roll sort of conversation like after we had uh seen their set and uh you know this band is is looking for more people to come to their shows, of course. Um we'll, we're going to link post. to them in the show notes <laughs> so you you can find them and their Spotify. It seems like they're about to drop an EP, so if you like them, come check them out. Their song Caroline is my favorite out of all of the songs. Um okay, so so I don't think there's any other music news, right? That's pretty much. Um, I don't know. Strokes are writing new stuff. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we, in terms of things that we've it. done. Yeah, mm, no, right? No, not really. Yeah. No. Okay, so we could just jump into the concert then, which is going to be a lot of me, a lot of James talking, a lot of me just asking questions. Well, uh, feel, feel free to interject, Mark. Which is just, I don't know. It's kind of nice to just sort of uh, <laughs> be able to kick back a little bit um, this is, yeah for the I'm next not, hour no, i get to tell more about my night and you yeah people get i'm to not hear which reminds me i'm not no i'm not going to be completely absent here you guys You're, you'll hear plenty of my voice i know i don't want to let you down yeah. uh but anyway so the show was at uh was at brooklyn bowl brooklyn bowl uh i've been to this i've been to this venue we've been uh, to this venue I, plenty I, of times you yeah. and i I like I like this venue a lot. Uh, it's it's they call it Brooklyn Bowl because there's a bowling alley in it. You can like bowl and listen to music at the same time. Although I think that would like sp- split your focus a little. A little much. bit. But if you actually really liked the band. Yeah, people will definitely still bowl while the band is on, and oftentimes they'll play sports and stuff too. So it's like kind of get this. I went to see Toots in the Middles there, and they were playing like Game Six of the World Series when the Cubs won. So I got to see like this classic reggae band and watch the Cubs like win the World Series for the first time in 108 years. It's like ADHD theater there. Ah, yeah, a little tough, right? Like, where do I look at? I don't even know. What do I do with my uh, eyes? <laughs> where, where do my eyes go? Uh. Your eyes should go on the stage, guys, primarily. That's what you should try to do uh, if you really care about the band. Whatever, do what you want. If you want a bowl and you just want some, you know, oh, I don't know, just a, like a legend, a, a future legendary blues guy just sort of playing, playing in the in background, the background yeah. if that's you, I mean... Okay, but anyway, how was the check-in process? I don't even remember. Well, before we get... Actually, so uh, there will be a note on that, but just to point out real quick, it's kind of in the middle of Bumblefuck. Yeah. Um, the closest are like two different G stations that you can get, and it depends on whether you want to come from the north or come down like Union or whatever. So it's a bit of... It's like a 10, 15-minute walk from whatever train station you oh, get right, to. Okay. Um, oh, it's also out next to Brooklyn Brewery, so that's always cool. Uh, if you guys have never been to that, that's just a good good time yeah another another draw of this place is it's like a legitimate four-star restaurant dinner it's like legitimate oh i didn't know it was that good yeah for sure so you get to the front right and there's no waving down or anything like that they have this new security system set up it's like a metal detector probably sort of deal they didn't even like make me take anything out of my pockets you walk through it looks like it was made by apple because it's like white and shiny and looks like eva so you walk through, it turns green, or uh, if it turns green, you're good to keep going. If it turns red, they stop and wand you. And I didn't see anybody with that happen to, but it's like a much quicker, easier system outside of the fact that you got to pause before walking through. Like, Does long- Brooklyn Steel have this? or No, it's not. It's a different one from the one Brooklyn Steel has. Brooklyn Steel does have like a metal detector. This is like a brand new kind of, straight up, I, it was not there the last time I was there, which granted was a couple months ago. I, I can't like 
you know, it's been a, it's been a couple months since I've been to Brooklyn Bowl, but it is like brand new security system to to walk through. It's like in the hallway where you come in. It's in the front. It's in that front before you come in, where it's sort of like still semi outdoors, okay. and you walk in and I uh, uh, buy tickets on the left. Nine times out of ten, you could still get tickets at the door to shows at Brooklyn Bowl, um, and you were able to this time. And for anybody listening, it's usually around twenty dollars a ticket, thirty dollars maybe for. Uh, a Brooklyn Bowl ticket and sometimes it's even better to just buy them at the door so you don't have to pay for fees you know I feel like pretty sure I'm pretty sure that eventually this stuff is going to be all automated where it's like you walk through the metal detector and let's say it goes off and then like literally like a five foot tall Eva is going to come up and scan you <laughs> like we're just going to get rid of people and then we can do guaranteed universal income yeah, no sure one, there you go yeah no everybody just gets money because the robots do stuff <laughs> yeah because no one there's no jobs unless uh. you want to repair robots maybe we'll all be doing that sure learn to code hashtag <laughs> yeah exactly that that'll be everybody's job quick easy got in um you know now now because of that it's even quicker to get in and i don't remember it ever really being trouble to walk in to that place like of all the times you've been either so it's good staff is fine um you know we go in they sit us at the bar uh my buddy drake our buddy drake was there so we sat down uh got some food there um i had the fried oyster po'boy that they had um pretty good he had the catfish pretty good i you know i don't know it's a four-star restaurant in it, it lives Sut- up southern yeah, it's sort of well. They also had pocky bowls or pokey bowls, however the fuck you're supposed to pronounce it. I'm sorry, I don't like those. No, I'm always down for them, and I wanted to try them because they're like, like everybody online is like it's legitimately some of the best in the city. Huh. And what they were telling me, but they were out when I was there, which is unfortunate because I really wanted to to see if that like lived up to some other experiences that I had with pokey bowls. Okay, so uh, so food was good and uh, pricing. I think I don't remember. Yeah, pricing it's pretty average. Honestly, their drinks are like a little uh, sort of more on the cheaper side. Maybe I'm just like been dummied by Webster Hall so many times that anytime I see something that's reasonably priced, I go, "Oh man, that's that's actually kind of cheap." But it was like eleven dollars for a thing of whiskey. You know, that's mm-hmm. pretty good. The biggest bitch crap complaint about this entire place is that there's only like one area for bathrooms and it's all the way upstairs oh yeah yeah if you're drunk that's tough it's really surprising that they would do that like what do people in wheelchairs do i don't know i i don't know if there's an an elevator elevator? or something there's gotta be or maybe maybe we have no idea and there's maybe like there's a, some secret downstairs bathroom that there's gotta be but it's like seriously even, what if you are in a wheelchair yeah and they have staff that that waves you over to that one but yeah it's just those sets of bathrooms that are at the top there it's in a wheelchair really they're like, a like screw it wet yourself yeah whatever <laughs> here's here's a cup <laughs> are you wearing a diaper oh, uh, sorry darn. oh that's um, horrible there's usually never there's enough you know what I mean up there but it's yeah so if you're all the way in the front of the crowd and you gotta pee you're about to fight through the crowd to get all the way to walk up a bunch of stairs, pee, and then come back downstairs and then fight your way back in. So that's the biggest ass, bitch. Climbing some played. stairs. Oh yeah. Fun. Um, they also have their own merch booth for the place for Brooklyn Bowl because there's actually three Brooklyn Bowls. We're obviously talking about the one in Williamsburg, but there's one in Las Vegas and, and the Brooklyn Bowl that's in Brooklyn. Yeah, the actual uh, Brooklyn's Brooklyn Bowl. Um, they got Vegas and another one in Nashville. So there's three overall. Gotcha. Um, I can't speak to the other ones, but you know the one here is it's pretty pretty rad. Um, I like it overall. I did notice that they had that they're selling like high end forty dollar earplugs there. I don't know how good those earplugs are, um, 
I don't get people don't don't spend forty dollars for earplugs. Spend like twelve. <laughs> like you'll that be sounds, fine. That sounds insane. Yeah, you don't need that much. Like that's they're they're selling you on buzzwords, and it's not it's not going to be worth the extra thirty dollars. I mean, I've heard of these high end things. I've seen them on Instagram where they claim like, oh, it only filters out the bad stuff, but mm-hmm. it keeps the good stuff, and like the noise love. Like that does what? Yeah, that's the kind that we have. That's what, what, what they say that they do, about? and they're twelve dollars. You know. Yeah, like, I just can't wrap my head around that one. Sorry. Yeah, I would I would say I, I would have to go with a no on that one. Yeah, no. it's a no from us, it's dog. It's a no from us, dog. <laughs> uh, okay, so then they have their merch booth, but then obviously there's a... Uh, there's a separate merch booth next to... So uh, to describe the layout a little bit, you walk in, there's sort of that restaurant area in front of you, the stairs that go up to the bathroom. You turn left, and there's bowling... And then to the other side of the bowling is the actual stage. Yeah. And then the uh, there's the bar in the back of that. And you can see the stage from 100%. the bowling area. Absolutely. If, Especially if you walk up to the end there. So if it was an artist that you were kind of like whatever about and you're just like, I just like to have some sort of like background live music, but yeah. it's not important that I'm paying attention. Like kind of neat. One of these days I would like to literally just go and bowl there bowl during there. the concert. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just to see what that's like. But for a band that's like, you know, kind of uh, meh. You know? Yeah, somebody that you're not specifically there to see. For for your tab, you just show them your ID and your card, and they'll put the info in. They won't hold on to anything. Oh, yeah, that's good. And they just close you out at the end there, too. So um, people don't drunk people don't leave their cards behind. Exactly. Tired so, of that. so it's a lot easier to do that. Um, and then you walk up to them, and you show them, instead of like your card or whatever, you pull out your ID, show them the ID, and they go, okay, James find you and that's how someone's doing yeah man you never like notice that some of these venues it's just like i understand they have a little bit more money but they don't Mm -hmm. have webster hall money to my knowledge Mm -hmm. i don't think they don't book acts as big as that so it's really yeah i would say like just ahead of webster Hall. so for like webster hall i would expect uh and certainly something like you know the garden or whatever but it's interesting to me because it's like i don't even think the garden has has uh technology as or or systems in place as sophisticated as that And uh, it's really there's kind of like no excuse for it. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if you're yeah, if this you're, small venues so convenient like to get in. It's like they're doing better yeah. than like Hammerstein and mm. and the Garden and Webster Hall. Like not that they're those all are doing terrible jobs, but it's just really interesting to me when I see these like sort of, you know, I would hardly call it a mom and pop or a hole in the wall, but these like you know. Uh, Smaller from venues the, from, are innovating from the rel- yeah. from from a relative perspective, smaller mm-hmm. uh, because they're not booking like big big acts. They're booking decent, decent, decent up and comings, yeah. but not yeah. like household names. Sure, and they're doing better at it. So kudos to you, Brooklyn Bowl. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, uh, at this point, we always like to talk about the house music. Yeah. So this was real fitting stuff. You know, it's you're jazzy. It's got jazz, funk, wow. you know, bluesy kind of all that 60s, 70s sort of sound, which uh, is real, you know, relevant to who I came to see. Obviously, he's, a you know, pretty much a pure blues guy that, that really just sort of loves all that sort of music there. So it was real fitting. Um, Chicago played. That's, you know, that pretty much was just spot on. Um Lights are fine. They don't do anything too crazy there, but they got a nice big ass disco ball that's always going off. So that's so that's pretty fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I almost feel like you should be on a roll. How is your rink. crowd? Um, you know, pretty good at this point, especially like a truly a bit of everybody. Like truly a little bit of everybody. You know, diverse as all hell. Um, old, young, 
uh, you know, every color you could think of. Yeah, pretty much everybody showed up and it's just like just wanted to see who was there and was really excited for him. Too. Do you think like people knew who they were going to see or they're absolutely. just like, oh, they did? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Most of them, at least. I heard a lot of people, you know, music nerds like me there. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like nobody else is really doing songs like this or music like this. Not at his level. You know, his talent and, you know, people that res- like respected the artistry behind it. You know what I mean? Good. Yeah. Okay. All right. I certainly think so, at least. All right. So, yeah, get into the opener. Get into the opener. Okay. So, uh, opener. And she- this came on at about... I wanted to time this a little bit. So, the show said... Show started at eight. She came on at about eight ten. And who this is is Brandy and the Alexanders. Uh, Brandy and the Alexanders are a New York funk R and B soul kind of band. Real like, well, I would say they're like R and B that uh, is like heavily within the funk and soul uh, and rock sort of uh, uh, influences on it. You was know there any I mean? disco? But at its yeah, so yes, there was quite a bit. We'll we'll get into because I was actually able to to suss out except for one song. I wasn't entirely sure, but I was able to suss out their set list. Uh, so the members of Brandy and the Alexander are Brandy Thompson herself on vocals, and then the Alexanders are uh, Ethan Simon on keys, Eric Wendell on bass, uh, Nick Focus on guitar, and Eric Gottlieb Jr. on drums. And uh, just a quick blurb from the uh, from the uh, like abouts and, and biographies because every now and then I find one that's really good and really fits. And this one goes uh, Brandy and the Alexanders are a funky soul band with the muscle of classic rock and the voice of an R&B diva. I think that fits. It's a pretty solid uh, description of them. Okay. Yeah. You should check them out. I think you'll like them a lot. Okay. Maybe you put them on our openers playlist if you like absolutely. them so much. Yeah, absolutely. They're definitely getting on there. Okay. Um, so they come out and they, they start with their song, How Do You Like It?, which is real nice, sort of funky, soul heavy. So it's it's a good way to sort of get the crowd into it. Shows off her range a little bit. Um so you're hearing the diva voice, which I really, really like uh, at this point. It's sort of like this intense, uh, like, 60s soul and R&B. Like Etta like James-like? At, yeah, exactly. Like, really kind of hitting you there. Um, so they hit you with that right away. It's a great energetic way to start things off. Um, and then they immediately go into their song, Higher, which is, which she goes, all right, you know, you guys like that. How old is this woman about? Oh, it doesn't say anywhere here. Mid-20s, I think. Probably okay. 25-ish would be my guess. Um, I wasn't entirely sure, though. You know, voice of a of a forty year old who's been doing it for forever. I'll tell you that much. You know, okay. just just really has the has the chops for it. Where um, where did you say she's from originally? From here? It's a New York band. I, I don't really have too much info on like her personally, but okay. uh, uh, all the info that I say is that they're from a New York band. So they didn't really list say. influences. Influences, sure, all kinds. Uh, did they like put any on there? Say, hey, we're influences. By? Betty Davis, Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, Black Sabbath. So that they didn't play it, but they did a cover of "Paranoid" by Black Sabbath, which I thought was rad. That's so weird. Yeah, Aretha they didn't. Franklin they didn't play it here, Sabbath but the, on their are... on their debut album they dropped two years ago was "Black" was "Paranoid" by Black Sabbath. Huh. Like, that's awesome, and it's really good. All right. Um, so anyway, this this song, this higher song. The next one higher, and they so it's like a rock and soul, and so that's really what it was. It's like a very soulful song. It's good rock uh, accompaniment underneath it, and it really though it's like you're, you're sort of like um, saccharine '60s love song. It's like you make me feel higher and everything like that. But it's it's brought with like such a, a genuine genuineness i guess is the best word uh what's the word i'm trying to i'm trying to come up with authenticity authenticity thank you it's like you know it's like yeah it's cheesy but you know she means it in this case um so good song like highly recommend that and then she goes uh, a song pulling me down 
solid. Just didn't really have a ton to say about that. Now, she goes, the fourth song that she's talking about, she goes, raise your hand if you know somebody shady. Who doesn't? Everybody. Everybody's raising their hand. She goes, Who this doesn't? next song is dedicated to them. And that song is Shapeshifter, uh, which I think is her best song off that album because I did give it a listen to. Really, really solid, like good good vocal performance by her on here. Um, but How this, long has this band been together? Uh, it says 2005 or okay. 2015, I mean, 2015. Okay. Was when was when they got together, and that sort of makes sense that they, you know, they seem tight and like they really know what they're doing. And they're touring with this guy. They're touring at or... least for a bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the song Shapeshifter, uh, it's it's kind of loungy almost, and I and I liked that. You know, it had this sort of uh, this this groovy kind of cabaret feel to it. You know, uh, where you know I felt I felt like she's singing to me at a at a hotel while we're all sitting with our glasses of wine. Um, and and then towards the end of it, she starts you know belting like the, like an R and B diva and really brings you into it. I think you mean Martini. Martini, sure, yeah. yeah. Up, that's the one. Vodka. Or, or, or uh, the perfect Manhattan, which Very. I which I was taught means that it has rye instead of bourbon in it. A perfect Manhattan. Did you know that? I did. I, I did used not. To bartend. So <laughs> I had hadn't a clue. Yeah. yeah, you got to have these drinks very, very, very dry. Oh yeah, which That's... basically just means yeah, just straight just put just alcohol. The alcohol in it. What are you doing? <laughs> Dryer, sure. That's a glass of rye. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Don't tell me how to live. <laughs> so good song, loungy. Like I said, I was really starting to get into it. Then she goes, uh, plays a song, love songs, and it's you know about people that rush into loves. Uh, and she specifically says that it's like, I wrote this cause you saw, see people rush into love and, uh, you know, I was tired of it. And so the line is it, uh, in it is I'm so sick of these goddamn love songs. So that should kind of, Oh, tell wow. You. We were just talking about rushing right. into love. Wow. Right. Brand, you know, Brandy and I are kind of on a level. With that it, one, yeah. Right? You might have to, you might have to throw this album on and, and I feel, feel seen. A little bit. Yes. Um, so at this point I'm hearing the diva in her voice, but I'm not seeing the diva on stage. And I, I wrote down uh, I, I, in my notes at this point, it's about halfway through the set, song number five, she's play, they played 10 songs total. I wrote down, I want Brandy to be more in the audience's face. She's got she's got the look, she's got the voice, but she's not like, I'm not saying she's got to like be grabbing people in the crowd, but like step forward up onto the stage, lean into a little bit. I don't know. She was just, she felt step back like she was a little bit closed off to us but had the voice of somebody that's as open as can be and letting her her bleeding her heart out on the stage you know what i mean it's just if i could give a recommendation to her i'm just like be more of a diva you know what i mean you have the voice for it, you have the look for it just just live it up a little bit on stage she almost like she stayed back and maybe it's just her not trying to want to totally take the spotlight but you with your voice you're the spotlight in this in this sense and so she's sort of staying back and online with the bassist and the keyboard and the guitarist and i'm like you you're the focus right now step back when it's their time to solo but for the rest of it when it's your voice you got to be in the front there and, and like looking us in the eye and and telling us to treat you right you know what i mean no it's really interesting that you say this because um what you are saying in this sort of you know slight frustration that you're having uh in our last episode was one that I kind of enjoyed where I said, like, we were talking about Peter Bradley Adams and it was, it's like a roar that we never get to hear. And that makes me purr. Mm -hmm. But for you, it's like, you heard the roar, mm -hmm. but for you, it was like, 
it's a pounce that I never got to feel. <laughs> and that makes me pout. <laughs> you wanted her to pounce. I, I, just, I mean, not necessarily, like, you know, in a, she, you wanted that physicality. Yeah, it's, well, that's the thing. It's like her, it's not that she was up there like looking bored or anything like that. She still no, was but engaging. You saw, you saw that there was just a little bit of there, restraint she, and she, it wasn't working exactly. for you. Like I needed to like just, just get out there a, a little bit more. You know, step to the front. It's called Brandy and the Alexanders. You're clearly the focal point here. Well, now it's like I'm curious and almost want to check out old YouTube performances of hers, if at all possible, Mm. because what you're saying isn't really squaring for me in terms of like, well, why would that be? And it makes me wonder. But here's the thing. So I'm wondering if it's just an off night or. Here's what I was going to say is that because it's not squaring and it doesn't make sense to me, it's I would be more inclined to think that this is not usually the deal and that there was something particular to this night and this is one of those instances where and we've talked about this about how we want to do more of this with our show where we actually talk to an artist after the fact about a specific performance we were at i think you should dm her and just be like hey would you be willing to talk to us about your performance and how it felt for you you know what i'm saying like and i hope she wouldn't feel like criticized or anything like that but it's a legitimate question in terms of like can you can you explain this to us? You right. know, like we're genuinely curious. It was good for us. How was it for you? Yeah, I'm telling and, you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Still, I still want to try that. You know, I, so this, this might be one of those times where we, we reach out to an artist and, and, be, yeah. and see if they want to talk yeah. about the show. Like, what the hell? Or, Shoot or the shot. Brandy, if you do listen to this, you know, feel free to reach out. We love to reach, talk to you. Reach, you know? Yeah, reach out yeah. And, and talk to us about it. We'd love that. Because other have the values, the living strange. That's why we like them so much because yeah. they like, they touch. They talk to us. But it's like I wasn't even at this show, mm-hmm. and this specific element that you have mentioned, yeah, yeah. I am very curious about. I'm, I'm very curious you, like about her perspective. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not willing. My criticism of the night is that that I want her to be a little bit more like out there and more of the diva. But I, I can't say for sure. It's my first. Because you always wonder too. Was like there this. somebody that said you're too much? Mm-hmm. And it's like there somebody, be, but... somebody tried to like keep her flame from sure burning bright you know, know what, what i mean, mean? Like, like sure hope not. i i i don't feel like it would because it's like you're not going to upstage kingfish later well you know you there's know those I mean? kinds of people sure. that are always trying to like blow out your candle she don't don't brandy just don't. just get out Quit, there. if someone said that to you yeah ignore them. ignore them we i want to see it you know what i mean you don't have to be an asshole diva about it but just lean into it a little bit more be the center I know I, you, I, I won't harp on it too much longer, but I will bring it up a little uh, bit you more You know, later. TLDR, James wants you to pounce. Yes. Uh, the next one, she goes to a song, Run Around, and this is your disco song right here. Real soulful disco, but this is absolutely a disco song. It's got the beat. It's got the rhythm for it. Um, just a good, and it's, again, she's got that soulful R&B voice on it. Really, really quality song here. Now, uh, they play the song, What Your Mama Told Me. Great song. She stood out, of course. But uh, they did have this really cool part where the guitarist was doing a two-hand tap solo. For anybody that doesn't know what two-hand tapping is, look up Van Halen. Um, he does a two-hand tap solo over this really funky bass line. And I just, that was awesome. If you guys are listening to that, please keep doing that. Um, I really liked that. that She's was, a songwriter here, yeah? She's a I'd song- imagine. It doesn't really say anywhere on, on there specifically. Um, my guess is that, you know, she does the lyrics and the band does they write the, their parts yeah, probably they, that's kind of what it feels like to me um this feels like more of a natural pairing where they found each other worked it out and not like the studio or the record label finding musicians to work together i, I don't think it's quite that i think they're 
they're coming in with their their influences and decided to work together. Um, so the next song she goes, "I'm in love." That's the name of the song. Uh, very very bouncy bass line. Uh, just just good to kind of rock along and move to. And it's another sort of very sweet love song. Um, nothing's gonna take you out of it or, or like blow you away with it in that sense. But it's still a great song, and uh, you know they they put on a good performance. Then she goes. Um, this song came to her. The next song is called Bad Love, and she described how it came to her while she was on a bus, stuck on a bus, which is something I can relate to, and fighting with her boyfriend. And she's like, and so I'm on this bus for hours. I can't get away with it and all from it, and all that I could do is argue with this person. Have you ever bus. been stuck on a bus fighting with your boyfriend? Yes, of course. <laughs> We've all been there, haven't we? But it's like I know what it's like. It's like you're you're sitting on this bus and you're just miserable, and there's four hours left, and like all you can do is is there's nothing you can do to get away with this thing that that's focusing you on. I wanted so to write. At least I she wanted wrote a good like, song about it. Oh, <laughs> you know what you're talking about her upping the ante. I wanted to like write the song about. And granted, it would be theoretical, but write the song about being stuck, uh, uh, fighting with your boyfriend on an airplane uh-huh. because you on can't even get it, can't even get out. Yeah, like you literally can't. You can't get up at you all. You can't huh? leave. Yeah, and I, <laughs> now and, you can't leave. And guess who's been in that position? <laughs> Maybe I should write that song. There you go. Oh, yeah. that's the worst. But girl, I feel for you. But you yeah. know what? It was it's a shitty fight, but some art came out of it. So well, it's kind of the way I said. Sometimes it, you know? good comes out of bad situations. Yeah, and she she wrote a great song and she sang a great one. So the last song is their song "Lucky" that they played. It's a bit of an audience participation song, you know, repeat after me lyrics, that sort of thing. And like she's doing this and she's she's singing passionately, but she's like, just stand on the edge of the stage while you're doing this you know what i mean it's like that that little three feet uh between you and the crowd it's it's like too much of a barrier for me right now now with what you're singing and how you're singing it step forward and lean into it and tell me tell me that i'm lucky you know what i mean tell me about this song well and i get that point but uh just rewinding a little bit here going back to what sounded like forced audience participation which you know uh-huh. i love how, how did the so, audience how did the audience take it they were into it because this was just a call and response audience okay participation. i yeah, absolutely yeah. love yeah. audience participation that you well okay it's not force for us because you you could be quiet right you, you, you have, have to, to step <laughs> step out of the dance floor like you do when the values make you uh do their dance mm. but uh, i do love some audience participation but people were into it everyone yeah, was like were fine with it uh taking part and mm-hmm. being game that's good i like that i like a crowd like that yeah so uh to to close out on that uh Brandy and the Alexanders, highly recommend them if you're into that kind of sound. Uh, would you say that this is an appropriate opener? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then Absolutely. you, and then uh, I'm assuming that uh, you can uh, catch them on the tour with... Yeah, a couple more shows uh, with, with Kingfish. Uh, and then I think, that, you know, they're based in New York, so it sounds like they're going to come back maybe now. Okay, well, maybe here. I'll get a chance to check them out. Yeah, yeah. Definitely worth, if you get a, if you get the chance to, definitely worth just, just music-wise, it's good stuff. Brandy's got great charisma. Um, you know, maybe if she's headlining a show, she'd be a little more open. I don't know. Maybe it was just an off night for her, but I wanted a little more. Okay, got yeah. you. That's clear. Yeah. All right, so uh, uh, go on. Okay, so a uh, bit of bluesy house music, really, really fit. Nothing too crazy, sort of the classics. Um, so I'm enjoying myself. And then at about 9.30 or so, everybody comes on, um, and they start playing, and here we go, Kingfish. Um, I did notice before anything uh that the bassist whose name i I couldn't get um he was wearing these 
sick cornrows and he had shades and a vest and I don't know. He looked really cool. Did he have anything <laughs> underneath the vest or was it just the vest? It was like a white t-shirt, but it was like a denim vest. I don't know. The guy looked like, like they picked him up at a, at a biker bar in the 70s. You know, I don't, huh. I don't know. He was awesome. But uh, to talk about Kingfish real quick, uh, Kingfish is uh, full name Chris Stone Ingram, nicknamed Kingfish. Uh, he's sort of the up-and-coming blues guitar prodigy right now. I mean, he's came out of Mississippi. But the story behind him is he just picked up real young on uh, sort of the roots of, of the music that all his friends were listening to. You know, a uh, quick blurb that I, I saw in one of the interviews with him a couple years ago where he's like, all my friends are listening to rap and hip-hop. And they're like, why do you like that old people stuff? And he goes, well, you know, it's like you wouldn't have rap and hip-hop without this old people stuff. That is an old soul right there. It is an old soul. To be able it's to pick be. up on that yeah. as I'm assuming as a child, yeah. you know, and I consider under 18 to be a child. Oh, sure. So that's impressive. Yeah. Do we know anything about his family, parents? Any, is Not there anything? too much. It hasn't come out. Um, the, you know, they were supportive of him going the route of music. Uh, I don't I don't think. I, I was just cu- curious as to whether the, this was their music, too, and they were influencing I think it was part him. of it, yeah, that it's like they had records, I believe he it was part of it, and so he discovered sort of these old blues records. But he picked up music at a young age, um, and all of, like, the local, you know, sort of where he was in Mississippi, where there's that the, uh, a lot of, like, blues tradition, all of, like, the local big-name blues guys started teaching him. And, and I'm sorry, what city was this out of again? Oh, that's a good question. I don't, I don't remember entirely. Mississippi. You said he was in Mississippi. So he was born Clarksdale, Mississippi. Okay. Okay. Um, in 1999. Oh my God, he's a baby. Um, so he first kind of came to uh public attention when he was 15 and played for the Obamas at the White House. You know what I mean? So that's that's how good this kid was a couple years ago. Was he trained somewhere? Did he's he been. To- well, I mean, he's had teachers, but you know you. People, people teach you what to do, and then you go from there, you know? This is just like one of those, un- I mean, whatever his influences were in terms of his family and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Listen, a lot of us have parents that, you know, try to be a positive influence us on sort of expanding our musical palette and stuff. And like 90% of us just don't fucking listen yeah. and be like, shut up. This is old people shit. Okay, yeah. boomer. Okay, boomer. Oh, God. I'm yeah. so sick of that line. But, you know, I just feel like a brain like this is just, I don't know, he just sort of strikes me already as a kid with more of a critical thinker, mm. with more of an open mind, and then somehow also has the blend of uh, being musically talented because yeah. you can have excellent, <laughs> excellent taste and not have the talent for, you know, or not have the musicianship and right. vice versa. And this is the perfect storm for someone who's just kind of destined to be doing what he's doing. So that really yeah. gives me hope. Yeah, you can tell. <laughs> and right. Gen Y? Gen I Z? What would, you, what would you count 99 They're not is. even millennia. Yeah. They're not mo- millennials. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the next generation. God, this kid's ripping souls and doesn't remember 9-11. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, um... So at 21 now, uh, he just released his first album a couple months ago, I believe October, like this past one. Um, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I could be totally wrong about that. How did you but, find him? So uh, the show Luke Cage, the show on uh, the Marvel show that they had on Netflix for a little while, the two seasons, um, a major uh, setting of Luke Cage is, I don't know if you ever watched it. You never watched any of it. A major setting is this club in Harlem where they do all kinds of music. So at every, every single show, they'd have some artist on... And that's just like within the show, like the uh, 
universe itself, the the idea is that it's like the owner of this club who's a main character is observing them in their club or maybe watching them rehearse or something. So they got all kinds of like really cool names from hip hop artists. The blues, Gary Clark Jr. was on it. You know what I mean? Which was neat because I'd been a fan of Gary Clark Jr. already and it was like halfway through the second season. I'm like, oh shit, that's him. That's dope. And so Kingfish was on for an episode. Like he was the musical guest on one of the episodes. And I'm like, it's this, it's this kid, like clearly kid, like at the time he must have been 18, playing, um, oh, oh, Thrill is Gone. He was playing Thrill is Gone on it. I'm like, Jesus, this, this, like, this 18 year old is pulling that out and like you're able to play it that well. Imagine if him and Gary Clark Jr. Were on tour together and played together. You would collapse. Take all of my money. I don't even care. Just, I'll, I'll go to Jersey to see that. <laughs> you would collapse, but it's not the worst way to go. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Yeah, if I if I can go, that's not a bad way. God. Now, so that's a bit of the story of uh, Christone Kingfish himself. Unfortunately, I really can't find the names of everybody that was in his band. I know he said it, but whereas Brandy's vocals were like, I should have mentioned that her vocals were like crisp during her set. I guess because you know his music is far more focused on the guitars. His vocals were not nearly as good. Maybe there was a lot more going on. They, but, didn't turn, they didn't turn them up. Enough. Yeah, it was just like harder to hear. Maybe it was just harder to pick them out because there's a lot more going on with all the instruments. Do you think that was the, the soundboard operators? Could have been. Issue? I don't really know who it was, but I, I had a hard time getting the names because he did name everybody several times. And, you know, I just wasn't able to like get them down. And I really can't find anything on here that says this is the guy that played drums for him at Brooklyn Bowl. So sorry to all of you guys that are touring with him. You were all fantastic musicians, especially the bassist who just looked rad that night. Just, I don't know. He stood out to me at everybody else. So to get into the actual show, uh, the accompaniment's all out there, and they start playing a little bit. And then we start hearing the lead guitar playing. And um, there's sort of these stairs in the back at Brooklyn Bowl that you never really notice. That's where the musicians come down, these spiral staircase. So down comes this... In the big, back of the stage? In the back of the stage, sort of the back and the right. How have I, I never... Yeah, you never really notice it until you start seeing the musicians come down. It's like a spiral staircase. So he's coming down and he has um he must have like a radio set up between his guitar and his amp because he didn't have like a direct plug in. And he's able to play as he's walking down the stairs in this like neat little introduction uh, as he's like walking down the stairs and playing and walking up to the mic and playing and then gets up to the mic and just it's like great little showmanship. He's not even doing much. He's just like walking down. And I love a great entrance. And that's all it is. He's like, damn, it's like, kid, you're way cooler than anybody here. And you know it. So he gets in it and he immediately opens up with Before I'm Old, you know, one of the songs off his uh, debut album that came out a couple months ago um, and gets right into it. It's this good, classic, bluesy sound. It's more blues than rock, but, you know, rock came from the blues. So you, I'm going to say blues. And a lot of it was like uh, some good rock and roll music to go along with it. But he's very, very much based in sort of that. You want to say like your your Muddy Waters and your BB King and your Howlin' Wolf style of blues, where it's a little more uh, guitar and rock oriented than say something like your your Robert Johnson kind of classic on your on your well, lap that's guitar. acoustic. That's acoustic, which he does play a little bit later on. So we'll get into that. Um, but he starts off with that more 60s, 70s blues sound. Um, now then he plays the song uh, "Fresh Out," also off the album. Rips this phenomenal solo which he's going to be doing all night like i could i could literally just tell her he's going to just play better than anybody else you've heard pretty much we'll we'll get to the comparisons later on but he rips his great solo and he lets the keys go off too and so he does uh 
a second solo where it comes back to him and i swear to god he he does a drop like there's no other way to put it like he does like an edm style drop to me he must he must have friends that are really into hip-hop and 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 EDM. well yeah there's drops and trap because he's like he's playing and it's like uh, like he's playing this solo and he's like really going at it and it's like starting to slow down a little bit and all of the accompaniments get quieter and quieter around him it's getting slower and slower and then all of a sudden it's basically a drop they just get right back into it and he's just ripping at it again i just love this because it's like i'm imagining this guy like you said his friends liking hip-hop or whatever and this and that and i'm just thinking about how he was probably you know before he was proficient and as successful as he is now that he was probably like shit on and like ripped on a bit by his friends no, by of course, doing, yeah. you know, being into the kind of music that he is. And the fact that he stayed so true to himself, he's like, this is what I'm going to do. And I know it's yeah. going to work, even though people around me are telling me I'm lame. And to just, you know, there's just the, the idea of forging his path like this and staying true to what he wants to do and excelling at it and yeah. not only that really that it. he then took from them that he could have wait, yeah. wait let me finish that aspect of hip-hop and edm that his friends are listening to and he was like not only can i do what you made fun of excellently but i can also take elements yeah, from, from that like. you like mm. and pull them in into what i'm doing and do it better. Yeah. And if that is not a big dick power move, I think so. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what is. I hope to God his friends have heard him do that because sure, I'm sure yeah, they've changed I'll... their tune. And I, I don't know if anybody else thought of it the same way that I had, but he does this two or three times throughout the night, and it felt just like a drop at a rave. You know what I mean? I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like that he he took he took one of the most like powerful elements of uh popular music that i'm sure uh is is what his peers primarily listened to yeah. and he took it in and he and he incorporated it into his own art mm. oh my god it's just like i'm putting up two middle fingers right and now doing it better <laughs> <laughs> like that's what yeah. that is to me I, I like that a lot yeah now at this point I'm, I'm noticing that the lights are pretty subdued they're not doing anything too crazy with it and they really won't throughout the night let the music speak for itself it's blues you don't need a crazy light show to go along with it right so he plays the song empty promises which is a cover of a michael burke song this is the first of a lot of covers that he's going to do um although he'll play mostly for the first like dozen half dozen songs i think it's until yeah this is the first cover and then he goes until number nine before he starts playing a couple other ones and that's like for anybody that doesn't you know listen to a lot of blues music there's a lot of uh historical precedents for doing covers like that that was a big deal and it sort of stems back to you're talking like the the 30s delta blues um where things weren't really recorded like if you wanted to listen to that robert johnson song sometimes you had to hope that somebody else that you knew knew how to play that song and so uh and they'd pass around sheet music a lot that's that's more a lot of times how people would share their music so there's this deep-seated precedence of of covering um somebody else's song that they've written in in blues music and sort of making your own version of that led zeppelin's first album was half covers rolling stone's first album was all covers you know what i mean all of the Jimi hendrix would cover music all the time these blues musicians that's they've been playing the same songs since 1925 and this is like the sixth person to do it and it's just like this 
this rolling change that comes along with it. I mean, it's something that I really appreciate and that I I like the history behind. In terms of what you said, and you may not um, hear that song unless someone else covered it, but I think the tradition continued into where like recording did become uh, more um, of an option and mm-hmm. more accessible to people. But the tradition seemed to continue like a thing that people seem to do back then that it's just like less common now like right up into the 50s and even in the 60s a little bit where covers of songs would happen like with like in the same year and become hits yeah like that doesn't really happen now you know what i mean it was just like yeah or that yeah that's the other thing is like you did the song first the person literally does it six months later and it like charts higher I, i don't know why that isn't like an aspect to to pop music anymore but that yes that is i that is something that i have uh noticed as well so cool cool yeah so um this is good he does have uh empty promises he does have a recording of it it's really good it's not on the record though but definitely listen to it it's like a single that got released around Mm -hmm. the same time didn't make it on um so now he's gonna get into the song it ain't right which is one of his also off that album and this is where he starts to really show off his chops in a bunch of different genres this uh it's uh, this song is like really really based on that 12 bar blues that's a real like stripped down core tenant of blues music is that 12 bars right there so that's really really common something that you'll hear blues is very um blues can be very what's the word i'm formulaic um, and it's more of what you do within that formula. A lot of blues music is going to fall within that 12 bar, sort of like this. And it's going to have a, a very specific structure for the verses. You sort of call it the AABA structure, CCDC structure. You know, the 12 bars is to blues like, you know, the three chords and a, and a hook is to pop music. You know, it's sort of the tenant and what you work off of from there. So that's what this song was. And then he just have like a, a just just a couple minutes of just showing off over 12 bars like over a 12 bar blues style it it is really powerful and and impressive what he can do on a guitar he's just so natural with it and you're just you're looking at him like damn you know that instrument intrinsically like truly top to bottom you you could tell he does at this point i want to be known like that intrinsically right yeah You find you a man like Kingfish. <laughs> find you a man that that plays you like Kingfish plays a guitar. I mean, I guess to be fair, it takes several years to yeah, get to that point. True, true. You get started at a young age. No. <laughs> okay, I didn't say that. I didn't oh, say man. that. Now I have to say it has to be pointed out at this point uh, that I'm talking about how greedy he is on guitars, and he's got a great, he's got a pretty good voice for a blues guy, but you know lyrically there's nothing really all that special going on i'll i'll, I'll say that if I, if I were to have to have a criticism he, like he's not the best lyricist and that's fine because that's not really his the point of what he's doing you know what i mean the best songs lyrically are the ones where he's like worked with other artists you know what i mean but okay the, the music is clearly all him so a lot of his lyrics are sort of i don't want to say basic but yeah they're sort of like there's nothing really all that outstanding about them there's a handful where, where they get very deeply personal and you're like okay well that's that's good because it's very personal to you but you're not you know i guess the same thing could be said about uh kevin parker and tame Paul. it's like you're not you're not that's kind of like a, a almost a cringy little line if you really think about it but it works because of what you're doing with it you know now so the next song goes outside of this town that's another one of his very very rocky and so what he does here 
this is awesome, and I, I took a video of this, is he actually starts to walk in the crowd as he's soloing. And he's walking through the crowd, and he'll stop for a good two minutes. And he just so happened to do it the first time, like literally right next to me. It's just two minutes of him just showing off, <laughs> just, just showing that he's better at guitar than all of us. And he literally just, for a solid like six or seven minutes, was walking throughout the entire crowd just soloing, just doing whatever the hell he wanted. And like just was i don't know it was really incredible he gets back up on the stage and he starts playing a that would make me so paranoid i'd be so afraid of someone him the whole time i was gonna say i was like someone is gonna step on this cord and rip it out so that's the thing he has this um i guess it's like a remote transmitter between like a something you plug into the guitar and then it transmits it to the amp and and does it that way okay then i'd be afraid someone would touch my guitar true (laughs) but if he had a big guy walking behind him maybe he's a big guy too i don't want to not so inclined to touch your touch his guitar yeah so he's coming through the crowd and so he comes up gets back on stage finishes up this solo with a little bit of uh uh, playing with his teeth so Jimi hendrix eat your heart out that was a classic Jimi hendrix move right there um, and then he just flawlessly transitions, like there's no pause or anything, and he starts playing Love It, My Favorite Word, which is another one of his songs that he wrote. And again, it's like, lyrically, this is when it's like, you see something about Love Ain't My Favorite Word, like you know exactly what the song's going to be about. You know what I mean? Like it's tragic and heartbreak, kids are 21, like, uh, come on. <laughs> yeah, like, honey, just you wait. Just you wait. But um, <laughs> It's coming. Yeah, so, so he plays. But you're a fucking prodigy, so yeah, you're going to be me. okay. Yeah, you'll, you'll do great, kid. So he's, he's playing, and he's just obviously ends this ripping it in another solo. And so at the end, he started doing this thing that I picked up on where he'll throw little riffs and stuff in um during his solo it's just i don't know catch people's attention so at the end of this he played the nickelodeon theme i caught that i don't know if everybody else in the crowd did but i thought that was cool and then he plays a little bit of a little bit of a summer dreams summer dreams makes me feel fine so he starts playing that riff i don't know i thought it was nice where he uh threw in like little little things i don't know see who's paying attention i guess we all were but i picked up on that having a good time having a good time i think that's really that's really most of it so then things quiet down a little bit uh, and he sort of pulls out a seat, grabs an acoustic and he uh, goes into Hard Times, um, another song off his album and it's acoustic and keys. So he plays a couple songs like this, a little quieter, a little more intimate, still so much better at guitar than everybody else. <laughs> like, you know, even with this acoustic guitar, just on a very simple arrangement, just just incredible up there what the stuff that he can do and then he does the same thing for the song been here before um and he says that this was supposed to be the title track to his record so he's going to name the record after this song but he decided last minute he, he literally just said was originally supposed to be the title track of the record but it didn't work out that way so that was kind of a neat little thing that he threw out there um and this is a, a very personal song this is actually when it, when i listened to it on the record sort of chokes me up a little bit because it's basically about his grandmother and like the advice Are that she left serious? to him and it's really really sweet you know and she's deceased i'm not sure i don't know i don't know I, it sounds like it according to the song um so oh, yeah yeah bless it's pretty, his heart. um that one's a really good moving song that's one of those ones where you did write good lyrics on that my man very moving very well done and deeply personal um and so after that things perk up a little bit and to keep with uh you know sort of the, the last one talking about his grandma talking about being at church and everything like that 
Um, you read a bit of his history. Clearly, like grew up playing for his church and everything like that. And some of his music has some very sort of religious things sprinkled in. So you could tell that um, that definitely has a major influence on him as a person, his songwriting. Um, and this next song, listen. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If you if you knew he was going to be playing, would you go to church? Yes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> shit? Yeah. Are you kidding me? The next okay. song that he plays is this song, listen, and that's this is like the most. Like, there's no arguing this is, like, a religious song. You know, it's like, you know, I can't wait to go to church to listen to you and things like that. And so this is the one where he's laying it all out. It's clearly very important to him. Um, and he made a very beautiful song about it, you know. Uh, I kind of I wrote down, this is kind of rude, but I said this is the most Jesus-y song of the night. <laughs> like, it really was. Although he did take out this awesome, like, royal purple sparkly guitar. I don't know. It looked like something Prince would play minus the whole wacky shit coming off it it really really was a cool little guitar um you know what who knows maybe it was a guitar that prince played. who knows i mean he knows i mean if he's, anyone he's deserves to have it like, yeah if anyone would deserve to have you it. you look with some of the names that he's worked with and written songs with who knows um so at this point he brings on two friends uh sorry guys i, I didn't get your names like uh, I, I wish i could find the names of the two guys that came on they came on to play guitar with him so there's now three guitarists on stage and they go into a cover of thrill is gone like the bb king song and everybody's done it i think they have it on here is uh roy hawkins it's just like i don't know everybody's done thrill is gone so now now he's done it in my head it's always a bb king song but so they sort of go they play thrill is gone and then they they basically like trade solos and like are just you know playing off each other and first guy comes on and is just total jamming like speed just just hitting every note um next guy was sort of like more suave kind of bluesy and then kingfish comes and just blows him out of the water i don't know it's like three incredible guitarists up there basically like having like a guitar duel on stage and and i could have sat there for an hour and just watched him go off honestly and they just sort of did that like two or three times they come off uh those two leave and it's about 11 o'clock so at this point we're like okay so he's just not even gonna bother like going on walking off and and pretending that uh he's not gonna keep playing so he skips it and he goes all right i got a bit more time left i got a couple more songs and he goes can we take this back to a mississippi juke joint and he plays catfish blues which is a muddy water song um and just it's amazing because this is like such a core classic blues song from, you know, one of the true greats, Muddy Waters. Um, and he's sort of making it his own. How are you even in one piece by I'm this not, point? I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm, like I'm just letting you talk and go off. But like I am thinking yeah. things and I was like, I have to interject here somewhere. Like go like go off. Queen. You how did you have the same types of feelings that you had when you saw Gary Clark Jr.? I know that this guy's younger. We're going to talk because I want to talk that a little bit. So hold that thought for at the end. How's that? Because and we'll talk my feelings sure. between him and Gary Clark Jr. Sure. For sure. Hold on to that. Anything else you want to say, though? No, but I was just kind of like, I'm just hearing thing after thing after thing, and I'm just like, 
this is just like everything about blues that you love. Oh, yeah. Minus, I, I understand that you you could have maybe used a little bit more um, lyrically, but in that terms, doesn't really bother me. But musically, it's yeah. like everything that you love, and I'm like, how are you not just? Well, how is we haven't even talked I'm on a about puddle on the floor. We haven't even talked about Drake. Like, yeah. How is how is he? Reacting he was having to an amazing. He was just so impressed. You know, it's not really his music, and he's like, normally I, he's he basically was like, he told me it's like I would have never gone to that if you hadn't hit me up, and he's like, I'm glad I did because. Uh, and how are other people in the crowd reacting? to all this they're amazed because i mean how could you not with the way were this they guy like, ah, right were yeah, they like of course were they just excitement. stunned silence no it was just like the just excitement and man he'd go off and you just all you could do is just sort of watch and, and try not to let your jaw touch the floor as he's yeah. just up there doing stuff on a guitar that you don't really see yeah. outside of like a gary clark jr and again we'll i'll talk that in a bit okay so he's playing this Catfish Blues, Muddy Waters cover. And then he, like, towards the end of it, after just going off on it on a solo, he starts playing When the Saints Go Marching In. I had, no, 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 I'm trying to remember what it was. I think he, some other song, it's totally drawn a blank, but I know it's like a, I don't know, it's like a na, na, na kind of thing. Not but, Hey but, Goodbye. No, it wasn't that. I can't really remember. But basically, he plays this Catfish Blues song, and then... Once he started playing like Oh and the Saints and he just kinda kept going and he basically just jammed for twelve minutes. Like just just twelve minutes of just just me staring at this at this man just just doing stuff with a guitar that I wish I could do. You know? Um I sometimes I go to something like this, I'm like, I suck. I should never I should never touch the guitar again because I will never be that good. Uh he switches over to uh Hey Joe, Jimi Hendrix. You know, kind of, kind of was waiting on that all night. Well, the sort of the Jimi Hendrix version. I don't. Well, yeah, it's it's Hey Joe. It's what an incredible song. Um, he does. He plays through it, and then, well, of course, now that he's done with it, he basically has fun with the riff, like what he's been doing all night, and solos off it. And so they sort of switch into this reggae version of it, which was awesome. Just, just think about, think of, slow that down a bit. Go reggae up, Hey Joe, and that's kind of what you get. Then he played the dream. Uh, uh, riff uh into summer dream then he played old town road <laughs> once again if i may yeah. if i may interject here once again another yeah. big dick power move right and made old town road awesome I like just blues that. the shit out of it and then as he's up there playing he's one-handing it like with his left hand and with his right hand he pulled his phone out and took a vid of the crowd and of himself playing it while he's up there. <laughs> and I'm just like, you you really are just showing off now. You're just going, I can do this. How many middle fingers does this guy have? Oh, he's just going, I don't give a shit. I, look how cool my life is. Pulled out of his phone and took a video while he was playing. You know, it's like, can I, if I if I may here, uh, I know this is this is kind of your thing, but, you know, let, let me just uh, Go for say it. a thing here and there. It's just interesting to me that that line... <clears throat> You know, because my life is dope and I do dope shit. Yeah, and shit, I do dope and shit. <laughs> and people have heard this line. That's a Kanye West line, but it's like, Say what you listen, want about Kanye, West. Ka- That's a way Kanye, to live. Kanye is pretty good with lyrics and all. Like, I, I, I won't, I won't take that, <laughs> I won't take that away from him. Like he took away Taylor Swift's speech. <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish, but. But if you would, but at the end of the day, like this guy is really the sort of epitome of that line. 
sure having a dope life and doing dope shit because it's like yeah that's great that you're like running around and hobnobbing and flying around in in a private jet and all that (laughs) that's great but the fact that you can play guitar with one hand and be filming with the other hand i'm sorry in front of a crowd of like broken bow is probably about a thousand give or take capacity so probably about 800 or so people the day may come what i'm saying is the day may come that that this guy could maybe like up his lyrics game but what he did there is something that Kanye will never yeah, right, be right. able to do right. ever. Just rip some of the best solos you've ever seen in your life that and take is, a video of it with your other hand. That is my life is dope and I do dope shit oh, yes. <laughs> to the nth power right there. I love that. So Kingfish, your life is dope and you do dope shit. So so he brings it back down after he's done taking the video and he puts his phone away. Then he brings it back to the riff for Hey Joe and finishes it up. And now I'm looking... And it's 11.23, so he did that for like 10 minutes. That whole thing took another 10 minutes. Amazing. Now, they do the last song that they come out and play, and he brings his other two friends back on there, so you know it's going to be good. And they go into uh, Born Under a Bad Sign, the Albert King song. Or again, like to me, Albert King, I think. Who they got this listed as here? Oh, yeah, Booker T and the MC. Yeah, that's a good... I don't know. So many people have played this song. To me, it's always been an Albert King song. But uh, Born Under a Bad Sign, which is a, another sort of blues staple. So, you know, he comes out there and he plays that incredibly and basically continues to do this sort of like this guitar battle with his two buddies up there as they're as they're soloing and rip and ripping it up over this riff. And then to finish it up. So he does that for about five minutes and then it's about, you know, 1130 at this point And he goes, all right, thanks all. That's that's it for me. And he walks off the stage. And he goes up and then he keeps playing and we're still listening to him play. And then he comes back down the stage and he walks through the crowd and he goes back out into this room like behind the bar. And then we hear him play for like another minute and then he stops and that's it. And that's the end there. And it was funny because like Drake and I were leaving and we're coming out because we saw him go. And we're like, we could like he's not up there. There's nothing to see. We could keep listening to him play. So we go to try and get our coats because we had to coat check. And there he was right in front of us. So we go, oh, shit, that's awesome. See you later, man. Oh, I would have done a selfie. I think he would have been up for it. He's yeah. a young guy. He, you, I, 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 I didn't want to like push past people and try and get in front of him, but I thought. Oh, it was so just you like, weren't like right next I to him. I was like two or three people right behind him. You know oh I mean? man, I probably. I have to be honest. I probably would have pushed your way through. I probably would have because, and I think he would have. I think he would have been down. Yeah, he might have. I don't know. He, he seems seemed like, very yeah. laid back. Seemed real nice. Just, he seems to be very. I'm getting, listen, I, I don't know, but I'm getting the sense that the fact that he is so willing to engage the crowd in that way and get so close and that sort of thing sort of strikes me as a more humble personality yeah. and somebody that uh, truly enjoys fan interaction and that sort of thing. And I think he would, uh, listen, there's some artists that would that would be an absolute no for. Of course. But I feel like the vibe I'm getting is that he would be cool with that and probably like smile or whatever. I think he'd think that was kind of funny, especially mm-hmm. being a younger person because younger people are more sort more, of like in tune with. with yeah. yeah, the sort of like selfie, you know, like older yeah. people that's are just new to them. Older people Ugh. are just fed up with it, and younger people like that's that's it's their what tic- we do. that's their TikTok life. Right. I mean, even younger than you, like right. you know, twenty two. So of course, for sure, sure, sure that sure. is their life. So yeah, uh, that's uh, that's super cool. I, I like the fact that he he is so incredible. It comes off his team to be very uh, humble guy. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. We have to get to it me comparing him to Gary Clark. I mean, oh, okay. Well, because because that is the other blue show that mm, that uh that I talked the most about. Knocked your uh, socks off. Yeah, that I talked the most about. Gary Clark um still remains the the better musician overall, but here's the thing. Kingfish is 21. Gary Clark Jr is like 
mid thirties at this point. He's been or I think like thirty three or something. He's been doing it longer. Kingfish is essentially on that level. You know what he absolutely is on that level. He's just you know needs a is going to gain the same experience that Gary Clark Jr. has at this point. So yeah, I'd still say Gary Clark is still the best musician I've ever personally seen live, and Kingfish is that very close second. And the only reason he's not exactly up there is the experience level, honestly, at this point. What about uh, head to head on showmanship and charisma, stage presence? Ooh. Um, well, I'll tell you what, Gary Clark never got in the crowd. I'll say that. Yeah. So, you know, you know, so just the, saying the, the engagement was there. He, he was he was a, a little bit more engaged. Not that Gary Clark Jr. was never closed off or anything like that. I never felt like there was a barrier between him and the stage, but he, he didn't walk out in the crowd. You know, I'll give him that. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, would you feel like um, you feel like Kingfish that someday will be at the the level of absolutely. Gary Clark yeah. Jr. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we'll remember. I think we're gonna remember Gary Clark Jr. along the same lines of your Muddy Waters and your BB Kings. We should. I sure hope so. Uh huh. Um, and I also think we're gonna remember Kingfish along those lines too. We wow. should. I really hope You're so. You're so fortunate you know. to have caught him on the upswing. Right. Well, you know, get him, get him now, because tickets aren't good, for him aren't going to be twenty dollars for much longer. To have someone that age playing this kind of music at a sort of like hip venue like Brooklyn Bowl, mm-hmm. and then to have someone like Brandy Alexander, who is you know, did I say that name right? I'm Brandy sorry. and the Alexanders. Brand Brandy and the Alexanders. Yes. To have someone like Brandy, who is also a young person doing this type of music. Miss Brandy Thompson, to be exact. If this were to become, because we were talking about the sort of scene and what it was when uh, dance and, and rock merged mm-hmm. um, in the early to mid-2000s in that New York scene. If this were to become the next scene where we were starting to merge blues mm. and like hip-hop to where I understand one is influenced by the other, and but to where but where to both like this old and new are prominently Whoa. featured if that became a movement. And and these artists were I mean, I don't think anyone's gonna match this guy at his age, but you know, uh, a level of prof- were, were the other guys playing with him around no. his age? They were older guys. Much older, yeah. Um, but it would be interesting if, if this became a, a a scene or whatever. It's like I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad. No, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I guess we are seeing that that sort of marriage of like hip hop and and a couple other um, a couple other genres, you know, fo- phony people stands out to me too. That's another like New York band that's sort of doing that. Yeah, if this became uh, the thing that uh, a book is written about in ten years, and you can okay, say like, yeah, sure. I was at that Brooklyn Bowl show, Hell and then yeah. he's like playing the Garden in six years, <laughs> yeah, and you can't right. afford it. Well, maybe, yeah, you probably could afford him, but it would a lot of people would not be able yeah. to afford him at that point. That that'd be really interesting to say. Like, it would. Who knows? Maybe this was like. The blues equivalent to the Strokes at Mercury Lounge Could be. Yeah, in I don't 2000 know. or 2001. You Who know? knows? Yeah. Would cool. be nice. I'm, I'm here for a blues revival. I'm glad you I'm had. live for it. I like that the blues, yeah, yeah the blues revival yeah. of the early of the early 2020s. Yeah, there you go. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's like I'm this down. 20 year cycle. Well, if you think about it, it was like that uh, sort of post punk scene or what have you. Uh, New York was bumping mm-hmm. and like what was it like the early eighties or whatever. And then it took like 20 years for that to happen again. Yeah, now, like yeah. it's now another 20 years. So maybe it's new. Who knows? We'll see. Just throwing it out there. Sure. Hope so. So, uh, is that a wrap? That's the end of the show. Um, do you want to come up with a question? 
does mu- does music come in twenty year cycles? Because then before that was the sixties, right? Where like Bob Dylan and New York scene, I guess. Does yeah. New York have a twenty? thoughts yeah okay so that's the question do you you have a 20 year music cycle do you think we're about to be in one one? so there you go i'm dead curious what uh, What if we started wants that what if we started mixing blues and edm which you kind of heard yeah well i don't know that's sort of what i picked up on it but what is going on something is going on and we might be in the middle of it could be and we're on a podcast covering maybe let's talk about it can i listen audience just i just want to reiterate again I'm, I, we just applied to like a uh, a podcast network and in that application i almost just want to post the whole fucking letter i wrote because i'm really fucking proud of it and it really like i think summarizes well what high decibels does and one of the things that i mentioned in it uh and i hope you'll continue to support us uh you know in in light of this of this fact especially that really like nobody's doing what we're doing yeah. in new york yeah nobody's doing what or we're really doing anywhere in... there's like a canadian blog that does something similar there's someone in cleveland cleveland yeah or you mentioned was. that yeah i remember finding that but i'm just like in terms of recapping from top to bottom in new york city it really astounds me and even if like someone like richer than us like co-ops it whatever we were the fucking yeah, first to yeah. do it and we might be doing it at a time that's really important in the new york city scene so for what it's worth you guys like maybe uh maybe, maybe we'll give, some, this fondly. Give, some, <laughs> give some credence to that yeah. you know what i'm saying that this might be more than just two assholes just sitting and talking about music that who knows maybe we are here along for the ride for uh a um maybe we can't play instruments the new, like the new that new york city scene but we're certainly very good at going to concerts <laughs> and uh talking about it afterwards <laughs> yeah and and uh picking them apart <laughs> moment by moment yeah. you know and and uh dr- drilling down a night for you so who knows james i don't know maybe maybe that's our role in all of this that'd be a good role uh, to have i wouldn't mind that yeah yeah good yeah all right so follow us on instagram twitter and facebook and look for us on reddit at high decibels pod for clips picks discussions and more also look for us on spotify soundcloud and apple Podcasts, and subscribe follow rate and review please and also uh if you like this episode if you liked any of our older ones please 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 share us with some friends and family and so we're going to outro this with the hey jude uh cover that chris stone kingfish ingram uh did during this show i think you met hey joe I think you just hey said Joe. Hey. I did say hey Jude, didn't I? Hey Joe. <laughs> this has been High Decibels Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.